Welcome to Sparkplug, where we talk to smart people working at the intersection of business and technology. Brought to you by Snowshoe, making mobile locations smarter. Sparkplug is happy to welcome Paula Mukaji. Uh, she's a media account executive at Rethink Retail. So based out of Portugal, she's a world traveler who helps retail brands to communicate their stories. Paula has a passion for understanding consumer behavior, market trends, and international marketing. So welcome, Paula. Thanks for having me. We're so glad to have you here, Paula. Will you start by giving a, an introduction to yourself and to our listeners? What drew you to this area of the economy being the retail area of the economy? Well, retail is, uh, I think, like it's something that everybody's familiar with because we shop right like so it's different than like working energy work with anything it's always something that we can all relate so it was like an interesting move for me once i started traveling and decided to, to work with rethink retail so what particular segments of retail are of, are of personal interest to you i am like really into grocery at the moment uh we are producing a very big and detailed grocery report it's going to be launched in september so Everything related to grocery, I've been reading a lot. Uh, so many interesting moves and everything that is happening. Customers shifting like what they prefer and everything. Uh, but I, of course, I also uh, love apparel. That's because I'm like a strong consumer <laughs> as well. <laughs> so everything that makes the consumer experience better, I like it. Um, well, Ned mentioned that you are a media account executive at Rethink Retail. Will you uh, tell us a little bit about Rethink Retail? What value does your company bring to retailers around the world? Uh, Rethink Retail, we are a media outlet. We cover everything in retail through our podcasts, publications, reports. Our main focus is to connect solution providers to retailers. And we do that through like very good quality thought leadership content. So I really recommend checking it out. We are focused on giving the best uh, insights mostly. So we are not going to be like very news focused on retail, sharing insights from retailers, solution providers, and everybody, other players that that, that join the industry. I'm sure so valuable to um, so many retailers around the world. You have a very strong multicultural background. Uh, it's really fascinating. Maybe you could give a quick overview and tell us how uh, your background really adds depth to your insights and perspectives. Sure. Well, I was born and raised in Brazil. I moved to the U.S. a couple of years ago. I lived there for five years and since then, I've been traveling around Europe, Asia, and every place I go, it's interesting to see how the consumer behavior changes. So, for example, Germany, they don't, they don't like to use credit card. They use a lot of cash. So, like, when you walk around the city, most places are cash only, which, if we're considering e-commerce and everything, that plays a big role, right? Because they have a completely different way to consume that's different from the u.s where everything pretty much you do online i remember when i lived there like i had boxes of amazon every day arriving to me it was like just a different perspective so living in italy as well was uh different the way they shop they like store more um so Every time that I learn in a different place, that, that I live in a different place, I visit different places, this is what I'm noticing. And that has been a big key 
to share in the industry. Absolutely. So if retailers are moving or expanding operations from Europe to the United States or vice versa from the United States to Europe, what are some things that they should keep in mind? I think like from the US to Europe, I think everybody should keep in mind that Europe is not a single place. Every place has completely different consumer behaviors. So you need a specific team in each of these places to tell you exactly how you sh- like how you should invest in like what parts of the consumer uh, purchase you should invest more. And from the from Europe to the US, that's more complicated, I think, because even though the US, like, I would consider a one single consumer behavior experience, there is still different places, right? That like people like shop with cars. Like I lived in New York for a while, and like I never drove a car in New York. It was always subway. So how are you gonna divertise your brand? How are you gonna bring awareness? How like everything changes from one place to the other. So I would invest 100% in people in each of these places you're going. So the U.S. is not a monoculture and neither is Europe. That's what you're saying. Yes, but I think, well, when when it comes to a monoculture, the U.S., has like the same language, which is how it, which already happens uh, helps a lot. But when it comes to Europe, like it's like single different details that you have to pay attention. And I would invest in people for each of these places instead going to one way to to get like the whole continent. So, Paul, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on when tourism really shut down last year. How did that affect uh, international retail? I was in Italy this last six months. Tourism has affected a lot of, in Europe, mostly. I would say Spain, Italy, uh, Greece, they all needed the American shoppers or the UK shoppers. So the fact that this is not moving around, even like if we talk retail about cruises, right? They're not happening. You have like stores in cruises. How did that go? So that did affect a lot the way uh, people shop and how like what are the strategies they have to go through. So as the world opens back up post-COVID, what do you see changing? Everything that happens during COVID uh, escalated a lot of different strategies, right? So if if we talk about Macy's, they had zero curbside uh, in their stores. In two months, they have to adapt all their stores for curbside. And I think that's going to stay. That's something that the consumers learned how to shop uh, with boppies and everything. And that's going to remain this way. When it comes to grocery, uh, what I love is like this self-checkout thing. Anything that is like a frictionless uh, customer experience, that's going to stay. So uh, Amazon Go, iFi, these companies, they are doing a great job in grocery and like who likes to go shop and stay on the line, right? So anything that avoids this upsetting uh, part of the customer experience, that should stay. Thank you for that perspective. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens. I also wanted to chat with you about e-commerce and the future. When we're looking at e-commerce versus physical retail, who do you think is winning right now? And how will that change post-pandemic? Well, I wouldn't say one is winning, one is losing. The store has changed its function, right? So they start as the new billboard. It's the new, it's the, the the new way to experience a brand. Most people go to stores, check it out, and like buy online. Maybe because they don't want to get on a line. They go check it out, buy from home, 
And that's the opportunity you have to impress your client, right? To impress your customer that is going to be there, like looking at all your clothes, there's the smell of the store, like all the branding that you're putting uh, in that. Like, I think stores became the biggest brand asset while the transactions are going to be more online. So I guess it's like you can get rid of any of this. You have to invest in both sides. Well, I was struck by a comment that uh, the retail store is billboard. So Warby Parker, for example, that started as an e-commerce uh, brand, is now opening many stores, hundreds of stores. Even Google opened some stores in New York. Is that the reason that brands have to open a physical location in order to kind of showcase their products? With the consumer, they're going to go through three phases when it's engaging with a brand, right? It, go, it goes for... The pre-purchase, purchase, and post-purchase. As we were talking earlier, uh, nobody likes to see advertising, right? Like advertising, like the pre-purchase is not becoming... So the in-store experience is part of the purchase experience. And that's like where all the money is going. So uh, purchase and post-purchase, that's all where... This is where all the brands are going to. And store is the part of the purchase. And the experience of a brand... Like you see Apple, Apple has been store focused for years. Like the, you, you can smell Apple when you go to a store, you know, you know them and they invested more than a, a Verizon store, for example, and you see the difference, right? So physical retail is not that, but it's more of a brand asset than a purchase itself. So regarding e-commerce and physical stores, we've observed some stores that seem to be really doing a great job and did a really great job during the pandemic and now post-pandemic. Levi's, Lululemon, Macy's, Walmart really started to merge online experience with the physical store experience. Any other retailers that stick out to you who are really succeeding um, in the physical retail space? Absolutely. That's one store. I don't know if you had the time, uh, the, the chance to visit, but it's absolutely amazing. It's called Camp. They are a store where they sell everything uh, for kids. And going to this store is a real experience. Like, I want to go to this store, you know? Like, maybe I'm not going to buy a shirt, but I'm going to experience that. And it's amazing. I hope, like, you can find a picture <laughs> to put in the transcript because it's really beautiful. And it's lovely how they are uh, focusing on the experience beyond everything, beyond the product. And Le- uh, Lego is going the same way. Like it's all, of course, they are playing with a segment that you, they can do more of this. But still, um, in Paris, a couple of I don't know, I think like a couple of weeks ago, they had a Lancome store where you put like AR glasses and experience like smell and like ways of uh, of experience the brand. Like this is amazing. So yeah. <laughs> Right. Well, that leads right into an area of discussion that we found really interesting. You posted recently about autonomous stores and stores that have frictionless customer experiences. So can you tell us more about technology that you think is exciting in the future for for retail? Absolutely. Well, starting with that, like anything that is autonomous store, just the fact that you have a camera that sees what you grab and and you just leave and it charges you accordingly. Um, seems like something very futuristic, but it's already happening and it's more affordable than people think. And that was like a nice report that we posted about because it's literally, isn't it like something that you would like to experience? I can, I'm dying to go to one of these stores. 
Are there any other technologies that you think are really part of the future, such as augmented reality in all stores or being able to uh, order online and then pick up at the store, hands-free technologies, things like that? Yeah, all that. Curiosity. Last week, I I tried a VR glass for the Uh first time. And I understand why brands are going forward to that. I think anything that involves gaming, if you see like you're talking about Louis Vuitton, Gucci, all these brands that are investing in like inside video games experience, that's like where the new generation is, right? And for us, it might be confusing to buy a $50,000 dress, Gucci glass, a Gucci dress um, for a game, but... For the new generation, that's the assets very valuable. So I think it starts, I think every brand should focus on gaming. Luxury brands are doing a great job doing that. VR is one of the one of the parts of gaming that it's, it's gonna rise very well once Apple launches its own glass, Facebook already has the, uh, their glass and everything. So I would definitely, think of the digital part of that, like the gamification of all industries, especially retail. One area that I found intriguing is with loyalty programs and even with transactions going hands-free with um, checking in or with, with getting your loyalty points. There's NFC, there's Bluetooth, there's Spark capacitive touch technologies. All of these things seem like we're kind of getting rid of that kind of paper loyalty card. Would you agree or or do you think it's going to be around for a while? I strongly encourage any brand to invest in loyalty. The post-purchase area is what makes your customer return and retaining your clients is the most important part. I think, for example, these checkout technologies, they're amazing. You, you download some of the company's app and you're going to have like all the transactions that person has made in our store, giving points and coupons and everything. Um, you not only get the data, but you're also giving amazing post-purchase experience for your clients. So yeah, anything that is not paper, I think is the next, is, is something that people should invest in. Yeah, that's what we see as well. Um, so Paula, we had uh, one of our podcast guests recently was Steve Dennis, who wrote a book called Remarkable Retail. And he states that um, one of the keys to staying in business, especially for physical retailers and independent retailers, is to be remarkable. And he walks through a few ways that retailers do that in terms of creating an experience and exceeding customer expectations. And curious, what are some ways that you have seen retailers be remarkable and how has that really made a difference in their success? That's an interesting question. Two days ago, I met up with my friend. He was working at Tesla. He just uh, went to Amazon. He's been working there for two months now. And he was telling me that he's still on the onboarding process because they want to make sure that you have the culture in your blood, pretty much. And I think when you invest in people and to share the core value of the company and give enough resources when it comes to company culture, if you have a very good value proposition and all your employees are into that and into like helping the, the client as much as possible, that's the way to go. When 
companies want to grow, they're beginning to compete at a different level. So a small retailer growing into a larger retailer, how do they start to compete with those big box stores or online giants? You know, if I have my, my small coffee shop and I want to go big, how do I compete there? I actually have a UPS research right in front of me. It's a very good report. And they did it like with the European market. So 50% said that they love help uh, small and local businesses. And that's very interesting. And the smaller retailers, 37% says, say they have like a better and personal experience when they're shopping local. So when you have small businesses, I guess you should focus more and more on the customer experience and the, with the personal touch. There is this grocer called Choice uh, in Denver. They are the first store that has like this autonomous uh, checkout mm-hmm. solution. Uh, it's a smaller retailer. We're not talking about Walmart. And they innovated with the, to be the first one in that market. Right. How much does loyalty matter in the con- in the customer's decision-making process? Why do you encourage retailers to invest in loyalty programs? Every consumer, I'm talking about me, you, and the whoever, uh, we purchase from brands that we know, we trust, and we like. Knowing it's easy, right? You can put like a billboard and people will know like that there's a brand there. But trust and like, the only way you can do that is by having a loyalty. Right. So are they going to trust you? How they're going to trust you? They need a loyalty um, strategy. It's very important. So what characteristics of a program help instill trust in customers? And can you give us some examples of loyalty programs that you have seen really work? But yeah, like there is this um, yoga company. The more you engage with the brand, you have better specs with how you're going to do these specific yoga classes. You're going to have like this free uh, nutrition consultation and everything, like all these little details that make you like, why am I going to purchase from someone else if I have all these pieces together that this brand offered me, right? So it, like if you get if the person purchase from you and you give extra resources, post-purchase resources, for this person to use your product, specifically like when you talk about yoga pants, right? That's when the client's gonna remain. That that's like that's gonna be the first. If they need a, a new yoga pant, you're already there, like in their mind, because they keep engaging with their brand constantly. Another guest we had recently was Dr. Joanne Brash, and we and we talked with her about retail sustainability and the responsibility of retailers to steward their resources and create a complete end-to-end cycle for their products um, in a responsible way. Do you see retailers listening to this appeal? Retailers don't want to listen to it. They're not going to get the consumers, right? So the consumers nowadays, like especially Gen Z, they're they they they're only purchasing from brands that share the same values they have. In Europe, 75% of this uh, this is, the, is still the UPS report, like 75% of the interviewees said that the first requirement that they want from a brand is being sustainable. If the consumers are asking for that, that's what you have to give to them. The brand itself, the retailer itself, they might not be very into that, but if the consumers are going to stop buying from them, they're going to have to go into it. It is a very 
special part and it's good that the consumers are asking for it. And I think the retailers are caring because the consumers are caring. And it's our job as consumers to ask for it. One thing that we found really intriguing is at Snowshoe, we have a, a solution that includes both a physical piece of hardware as well as um, loyalty apps that make use of this physical hardware. And we found it really interesting that people actually want physical hardware um, on their store shelf. They, they, they don't want everything to be digital. Our experience in talking to customers, we, this is kind of unexpected. We thought that people would be more resistant to this. Part of it, of course, is that we have a hands-free device that allows somebody to just check in with their phone. I agree. I think people need some physical uh, things. <laughs> But it depends on like what you're talking about, right? So if it's a solution that I'm gonna check in, like, hey, I came to this retailer, let me see like what are the 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 the, the codes, the promotion codes that I have for me, like in this store. That that'll make sense. So Paul, we have one last question for you, which is what is your personal mission and what do you want to be remembered for? Wow, that's deep. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think my my personal mission is my personal talent I think is to communicate and I want to use that for the best. So any way that I can communicate how to make something more sustainable or make something more customer friendly or something that's going to bring an impact to the future. It happens for me that it's in retail. I would like to do that. That's so it's very good for me to be in interviews like this. Any, any way that I can share the little I know, uh, it's already like a good thing. So I would say to communicate good things. I'm so glad you do and that you joined us today. <laughs> well, thank you so much for, for having me again. <laughs> Absolutely. It's been such a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Guys. Take care. Thanks, Paula. Thanks for listening today to the Spark Plug Podcast, hosted by me, Ned Hayes, and brought to you by Snowshoe, snow.sh, for smarter mobile location. Spark Plug is a wholly owned property of Snowshoe. All content, copyright, 2021, Spark Plug Media.